and that feeling of independence that that sort of freedom gives you is one of the most motivating and captivating feelings. And a mentor can directly instill a game-changing motivation in an individual. Meet Christian Haas. Today, Christian is going to tell you about his experience as a mentor coordinator. Do you have a young adult with an intellectual disability who would really like to be part of a college program? Do you see your child needing extra support in any area of development academically, socially, with employability skills? These are all areas that are covered in the Think College type programs and are supported by a good mentoring system. Christian's experience mentoring students with intellectual disabilities will give you really good insight into how the mentoring system works, why it makes a difference in your child's life, and what you need to do to make sure that your child is getting the mentoring that will help the most. So welcome to episode 41, Real Life Mentoring for Students with Intellectual Disabilities with Christian Haas on College, Disabilities, and Success by Mickey Hayes. The opinions in this podcast are my own, but please reach out to your college, physicians, or legal services for any additional information. Well, hi, Christian. It's nice to see you. Hello again, Mickey. We're talking about mentoring today. And I know when I interviewed Kate Weir at Think College, we had talked a little bit about mentoring, and I mentioned to her that I was going to follow up with you because you were such a wonderful mentor coordinator when I worked at USF St. Pete when I was part of the Stingray program there. So would you tell us just a little bit about your job as mentor coordinator and what mentoring is? Yeah, for sure. Thank you. And yeah, that interview was awesome last week. So she focused more on like the institutional aspects of the post-secondary transition programs. And, you know, one of the components is, like she was mentioning, auditing classes. All of the different aspects of the connection the student has throughout these transition programs, you can kind of fit a mentor in there. That's a good point. So across the board, anywhere within a program, a mentor is important. Yeah, some sort of go-between, something to ease the connection. And whatever the characteristics of the connection are, whether it's a class or an internship or a meeting with an administrator, there could be something that helps ease them into that. Mentoring really is just one of the key components of these transition programs that helps the student get through it. It actually started when we were in student government during undergraduate. A bunch of us were mentors for the students and would go out and play wiffle ball and things like that. And then when I graduated, they were saying, hey, will you coordinate mentors because you helped get them in student government? And so it's one of those weird things where your extracurricular involvement leads to a meaningful job after graduation. We were volunteering outside of the classroom for this mentoring program where it wasn't, we didn't feel like we were mentoring. We were just going out and playing three on three basketball or wiffle Mm -hmm. or something. And when they tell you like, get involved, you're going to make connections and get a job. It's like, whoa, it actually it worked out perfectly. It actually worked. Actually That's worked. right. As long as you mention that, I'm just going to take this moment to mention that for those of you that are not aware, I had interviewed Christian previously about the importance of student government for any individual with a disability and the things that a student can do to get involved in any kind of government or activities, outside activities. And you're a perfect example of a person who was involved in an outside activity that actually led to employment for you for a while. Absolutely. And it was fun and fulfilling while we were doing it in college. I think last time we focused more on like the the power of clubs and organizations and extracurricular involvement to the students. But the way that manifests within the program is through a series of mentors. Basically, I became a mentor coordinator 
And, you know, the first goal was to figure out what types of mentors we were coordinating and needing to recruit for. We started out with social or peer mentors and academic mentors. When the students were auditing a class, an academic mentor would go with them or they would typically be recruited from the class that the student's in. And so I would go and give like a little spiel to their, you know, Tuesday 9 a.m. class and say, hey, if anybody wants a part-time job and also help, you know, the student through the class, then reach out to me. And usually a, a significant portion of the class would reach out and offer it. We never like had to beg anybody to, to be a mentor. There was always four or five applicants per student. So we got to interview them. And so that would be one type of mentoring. And then like we were talking about the clubs, we would recruit a bunch of peer mentors, like through student government or through any of the other clubs and organizations to just bring them along to intramurals or commit to a coffee date once a week, or just maybe the mentorship happens in the club and organization meeting. They want to be in the gardening club. The mentors just maybe like the vice president of the gardening club, and they make sure they get all the invites to the club and they go out and get their hands dirty. Like You basically just make the connection between a, a student who wants to be of service and a student who's looking for a student who wants to be of service. And you let them do whatever they want, you know, however that manifests in a social environment. As a mentor coordinator, you went to the classrooms to recruit academic mentors and you went to the clubs and organizations mm -hmm. yep. Yep. to talk about peer mentoring. Yeah. And, okay. and so I had just been a super involved student. So I was still on campus. So I have mm -hmm. a lot of friends that were either a year, a couple of years under me. So it was really, you know, the networking that I did while I was a student, it, I was able to leverage that really easily. You know, I knew when all the clubs met, I knew where they met. So I was able to very seamlessly get in there and, and recruit peer and social mentors. And then kind of the, the newer mentoring concept that we brought was the community mentor. And so that was like, okay, so we got their academics taken care of. They're having fun outside of the classroom, but we had all the 10 domains that we needed the students to work towards with the pro-secondary program. A lot of it was community involvement and independent, That's right. independent living and figuring out how to do things on your own. And so we devised a program where we would recruit community mentors that would help them go get a driver's license if they were ready for it or learn how to open a bank account or go grocery shopping and, and make sure that you're not spending more than you have and that kind of stuff um, or interview for a job or an on-campus internship and help them prep for the interview and, and kind of help the employer be prepared for the nuances of employing a student with a disability. And that was cool. You know, you would just see kids get their driver's license and go apply for jobs and come back with a new shirt from Ross. And yeah, <laughs> it was a really cool scene yeah. off campus to take care of some of life's important business. So it was well, you had mentioned, too, the 10 domains, so I'm going to cut in here a little bit and just say, for those of you that don't know, the 10 domains that Christian is referring to is the curriculum that we followed for our program, our Stingray program, for students with intellectual disabilities, and it was specifically designed for that program. And part of that was building the community relationships, and that was what Christian really expanded on, because that's so very, very important. Mm -hmm in the in the world of all of us as we try to make those community connections. Yeah. And it it was kind of a missing component because you would see the students just go to class, complain about class, and then wanting to go <laughs> just like a student, just yeah, like a college exactly. student. <laughs> and then they want to they want to go have fun. You know, and they want to go have fun. They want just like a college student. Exactly. And you have to you have to remind them that some of these annoying things that you know some some of the students 
were excited to go out and get a driver's license. But a lot of times it, there was a lot of nerves and stuff. It's it's so interesting how easy it is and fun it is to talk about it years afterwards. But remembering how challenging it was really to help students break out of the shell and just I can't imagine how many people go throughout life without that type of mentoring. You know, without, it's really it's no surprise that so many folks are struggling because they just didn't get the help that they that they needed. Mm-hmm. So, and then we even, we piloted a um, independent living course in the residence halls over the summer when they were empty. Mm-hmm. I think we had two rooms that slept four people. So we created a schedule where they would all come together. They plan how much money they had, what they were going to eat for the week, what they were going to you know do for the week to who's going to be responsible for the dishes and how are we going to take turns doing all this. And they would have a living mentor. Mm-hmm. Didn't you live with a couple of students for a while? Yes. Uh, as a mentor? Yeah. Uh, I dove in head first, man. I, I really did. Uh, and this was... <laughs> a private arrangement from one of the parents who wanted their student to live downtown to be able to walk or bike to to campus. And so they approached me and and so the two students would be roommates and I would be the living mentor in this condo. And it was really interesting, you know, again, challenging, but fulfilling. I was a social mentor. So I was had fun with the students and I did mentor coordinating and I still interface and interacted and mentored the students a lot. But then living full time, you get to, you truly see the nuances and the, and the unique challenges that every student has. And, but also the similarities, like nobody really wants to do the dishes, but I didn't want to do this, but you got to do, you know, you have to do it. <laughs> It's funny how, you know, there there is so much that we share. Mm-hmm. They need mm-hmm. a different way to think about it or look at it or some more motivate themselves. Like, and that was cool. Yeah, we'd go shopping and, you know, you'd have to argue to, uh, you know, I don't want to go shopping. And it's like, well, then, you know, I, you're not going to get to pick out what you want to eat. Yeah. And so, you know, it is, it, it is challenging, but it was, it was super fulfilling. Talk about helping one student get their driver's license. One of the students last years in the program, and he had taken to one of the student government mentors. They just bonded. You know, they, before I worked for the program, these students were paired up and they were they just bonded. And then mm-hmm. as I worked for the program, the student continued to be a mentor. And, and then even after he graduated, he continued his relationship with the student. And, I, and this may have been actually after the mentor graduated that the student had been communicating his his interest in helping his mom more and wanting to not have to take the bus. And and he actually wanted to, he self-advocated himself into wanting to get a driver's license, but he didn't know where to start. The mentor helped him get through it. And it was, it wow. was so exciting that one time, I just remember a student and the mentor driving to campus to pick me up and the student in, you know, in the driver's seat, driving the mentor's car, mm-hmm. like blasting the music. It was, it was really cool. There's a Facebook memory that shows up of the student in his car. It's important. It's such an important moment in anybody's life. So when a mentor can make that happen, that's a very big deal. I mean, in terms of, you know, the, it really is because the independence is the goal and that feeling of independence that that sort of freedom gives you is one of the most motivating and captivating feelings. And a mentor can directly instill a game-changing motivation in an individual by giving them that type of freedom. Obviously, it's a unique situation. The student has to want it and be able to accomplish the driving tests and the written tests and all Right, so, right. So, yeah, when they within are, the parameters that they're able to do it, exactly. And then the, the mentors on a job site. If you can have a, a student interning at a coffee shop or working for, you know, an hourly wage at the campus you know, cafe or something, and mm. you can find an, another student that's also working there that is open to this type of support. Having somebody that is kind of an intentional mentor while they're on shift together is important, especially if they hang out outside of the job. So it's not just like a supervisor, but it's more of like, I'm working with my friend. Mm-hmm. How can I do this better? How, here's how you can, you know, help faster or something like that. And, and we all ask friends. I mean, that's part of 
friendship is helping each other do a better job at things. Give give tips, give suggestions. And we don't help mentors. You know, we don't. I don't call my friends that are better uh, better at auto mechanics than me. You know, help me change my oil. I don't call them a mentor. We just call them a friend. And you know, so that's that's right. You know, maybe there is some some room for rebranding. You can't just be calling them all friends and stuff. But the 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 relationship really is one of friendship and camaraderie and, and cooperation. Now you had mentioned earlier too about the benefits. I mean. We know there's a benefit to the students, and we know there's benefit to the mentors. Mm -hmm. But how about on campus, the benefits to the professors and to the other staff members of campus? Where do you see those benefits happening? Um, Really, every every aspect of the institution, every, every connection the student has with any sort of person or office can realize benefits, I think. Obviously, the students are benefiting. The mentors are benefiting from increasing their com- compassion and confidence and open-mindedness and, and their ability to relate to people of differing, different learning abilities. So the same with you know the owner of the coffee shop who's now employing a student that takes a couple extra times to explain the you know the process or something. You know, like they're learning mm-hmm. a sense of patience and an understanding of how different people work differently. And obviously they see that on a day-to-day basis, but they, they might not see these particular unique aspects of, of individuals that otherwise wouldn't be applying for these jobs. Mm-hmm. And professors get comfortable with their day-to-day routine, talking to a, a class that if you, if you catch up, you catch up. If you don't, you don't. This might help them realize that, well, wait a minute, you know, you now you know there's somebody that learns differently, but Remember, everybody in that class learns differently. This is just the one that we're letting you know that learns differently. And so like, mm-hmm. maybe they can, it can open them up to different ways of, of teaching. You know, if they adopt one trait that helps this student, you know, maybe they're only telling you the homework at the, at the beginning of the class. Maybe they decide to do it at the beginning and the end. That's also going to help every other in, in that class with the extra mm-hmm. reminder. And so it does kind of and institutionally when you make the campus more accessible, it helps other non-disabled. It helps everybody. Yeah. And so, you know, the accessibility is a physical infrastructure thing too, but it's also kind of a, the, the professors make their class more accessible and, and ultimately everybody benefits from it. I had a couple of students from the program and one of their professors was down the hall from me. Mm-hmm. So they would always stop and say hi to me as they were heading towards the professor's office because they had an appointment to talk to the professor about class the next day or a homework assignment or just to say hi. And they just had a very comfortable relationship mm-hmm. between the professor and the student in the program. Yeah, And not everybody can establish that level of comfort, but I think a whole lot of people are surprised at how easily that they can begin to relate to each other yeah. and understand each other mm-hmm. and to be more patient with with struggles. Yeah. Yeah. Some of that is just the nature of professors and their open-mindedness, but some of it also can be intentional. A student is given the options of classes to audit. There's typically going to be multiple classes offered. And I would definitely suggest anybody selecting classes for students, go and talk to the potential professors. And, you know, I I don't think they have a choice to disallow the, the student from auditing the course, but if you have a professor that's enthusiastically 
in favor of it versus somebody that couldn't care less, then I think you, you should make that choice, obviously. Exactly. Having exactly. conversations with the professors before the students select the classes is another is a way to kind of make that connection happen quicker so you don't mm-hmm. have to break them out of their shell. And actually, that's good advice for anybody with a disability, for any kind of disability, but in particular for the students with the intellectual disabilities. Yeah, even degree-seeking folks. I mean, check your professors yeah. out. You know, it's, I, a yeah. lot of people do it, but specifically when we might be asking more of the professors to help integrate the student into the class, it's important mm-hmm. that the professors are on board. So what kinds of um, campus employment did you help the students with? Well, I mentioned it a couple of times. We had a local coffee shop. Students would work at the coffee shop and we had right next to it was the tavern. So it was a basically a local campus deli or a restaurant. And so students would be servers and would bus and help clean up and open up the shop and close down the shop at the end of the day. And um, the owner of the tavern was super supportive and, you know, would feed him yeah, out. He was. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was great. Students worked at the downtown Publix. They would walk from their condo or one of the students would got their driver's license. and would drive, drive to work. Do you have somebody working, a couple of them working in the offices, campus too? Academic advisor. Sure. Um, there was uh, basically paper processing and academic advising. Yeah, oh, academic advising, the uh, the career center. Obviously, we had the career center uh, was open to an intern. So really, any campus entity that's that can use an intern or can use some extra help and some yeah. support. You know, you know, create a job description. You might have to go to one of these offices on campus with a, a five-hour-a-week job description I came up with. I know you guys have to do this, this, and this. Would you consider opening a position. You know, you don't have to find open internships. You can suggest organizations create a new internship for a student. And that really opens you up to any aspect of, of the campus if you can kind of convince them to create a job that didn't exist. That's that's a smart way to do it. Yeah. Because you're bringing value in two different areas. You're bringing value to their job, their, their department. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I have this person here who's just perfect for doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, and here's how you benefit. Here's how they benefit. Here's what it means for the overall goal of a higher educational institution. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, the goal is is employment, but you kind of have to prepare them for the responsibilities of paid employment by by proving that they can show up on time and on a schedule as a as a kind of a volunteer skill based um, exchange, just like an internship that any other typical student might take up um, out in the field. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, it happened a couple times. I think at the the tavern, the student interned so well that he got a job, you know, and that was the ultimate goal. Like after a couple months, he's like, oh, wait a minute, this is, this is working. Let's do it. It's yeah. working. Yeah. And yeah, let's, let's make it a paid yeah. position. So, uh, so you're, what you're finding with, with the whole mentorship situation is establishing and building those relationships. Mm-hmm. They don't just automatically happen yeah. that you have to, you have to do the footwork, yeah. the prep work. You have to be intentional. To, yeah to have a good mentorship program. Mm -hmm. Now, as mentor coordinator, you were responsible for getting mentors, finding mentors, monitoring the mentors, Mm -hmm. right? These were paid positions at our college. Not every college has them, but but we were paying, correct? Yes. As part of our grant? The peer or the social mentors were volunteer, but the community and the academic mentors were paid. Okay. So, yeah, there's, there's a definite amount of paperwork behind the scenes that you had to do. Because just to keep track of hours and where people were at and who was mentoring who and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about that little bit of behind the scenes stuff that you had to do? Yeah. 
Um, it's not nearly as fun, but you still no, have to do it. Yeah. If somebody's trying <laughs> to build a mentoring program, you, yeah. So first you, you define the types of mentors. Like we had it pretty cut, cut and dry. We had the social, we had the academic and the community. They all had their different responsibilities. And so I would devise a recruiting strategy for each one. So the peer and social ones, like I said, we would recruit them from the clubs, the academics, they would recruit them from the classroom. And then we have a training that we developed. Obviously, I, I didn't develop the training because I was surrounded by you all, the experts and the professionals, but I kind of boiled it down to person-first language, giving people real-world examples of why you might need person-first language with students with, with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I did those types of trainings. We also had the experts come in and, and do trainings. And you know, some of them would work five hours a week. Some of them would work 10 hours a week. We had a whole timesheet submission process. And so you know, now these degree-seeking students are also oftentimes having their first job on campus with mm-hmm. our program. And so they're getting employment skills. That's a good point. You know, mm-hmm. while they're helping students get employment skills. And it's a, it's just mm-hmm. really nice. And I'm learning how to coordinate. The learning happens all, all the way up. Across the board, yeah. all over. And, you know, yep. some of the mentors were, you know, enthusiastic and they're like, but if you have, you know, crummy employees, they don't show up as much as they should and they put hours down when they shouldn't. So you have to have those conversations. And if you have a, a bunch of enthusiastic students, you won't have that problem. But if you're, if it's like pulling teeth to, to introduce the program to folks, you know, you're going to have more hiccups along the way. Cause you know, you're not getting the most committed bunch. That's the challenge with the employed pieces. People think they're interested, but I think one of the best strategies was to hire the people who had been consistent and effective social mentors for the couple years. And then you say, well, do you want to be a community mentor and teach the student how to apply to a job and open a bank account? We'll pay you this time because we we know the relationship that you have with student A. So that's the, the most tried and true. Obviously, the academic, you got to recruit from the classroom. And you, you maintain them, you keep them interested. There's oftentimes where the, the mentor will come to me and, you know, say, I'm having a tr- tough time with boundaries. I think they're developing a crush on me. What do I do? You know, and then you have to kind of play the in-between and have the conversation with both of them and the student. And then eventually you bring them together and say, you know, it's important to set clear boundaries. Are we comfortable with this boundary or should we find another mentor? Mm-hmm. You know, and and that is awkward and uncomfortable, but it's also informative. And part of the job. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it, specifically the boundary issue and specifically between men and women, when there's like a crush type thing involved, if you don't draw those lines for the student, it could, it could not be good later on in life That's for, right. for That's their right. just ability to find companionship. They, they need to know that it's a very important boundary to draw. And so that was one that we came up against. So recruiting the mentors, developing the trainings, and then once you got the mentors, it's kind of like you're humming along and you get to participate in the wiffle ball matches and do mentor appreciation stuff. We we would always have like a an annual dinner. We would send folks to conferences. That was another key. That was huge. Going to going to conferences with mentors and, and students and having the other students and their mentors meet up. I remember this is one of the best weekends of my life. It was during the 2012 election. And we had the conference room with the podium at night. We all had pizza and there was... Oh, I remember that. It was like karaoke, but for giving a presidential speech. We said, if we, if you were running for president, what would you get up there and... and yeah, I remember that. That was so awesome. Awesome. And everybody got a chance to give a speech and get fiery. And, and one student ra- rallied against 
bullying and and i have that recording and it's it's golden and actually this is so funny he texted me i don't know what he was doing at 3 a.m but he texted me at 3 a.m what's up mr haas so i'll see what he's doing but yeah this man gave a fiery speech about squashing bullying and it was it was so wonderful it was awesome it's an opportunity you didn't plan for but it it It, presented itself to you and you grabbed it right place right time And, and and everybody was so comfortable with each other that was the that was the interesting part because you know introduced yourself to new people People, it takes a while to open up. But when our group of mentors and our group of students were so close with each other, and then they saw how everybody else was so close with each other, it was like very easy for all the different institutions to become close with each other, you know, like especially mm-hmm. because we would see each other once a year. And so, you know, the fact that everybody, yeah, I'm still too embarrassed to do karaoke, but 10 or 15 different <laughs> people gave a political speech off the top of their head. Like it, it was. Mm-hmm. We've all got opinions. It was awesome. And we don't often get a platform to share them on. So there is that. Yeah. But these are such wonderful experiences for the college student. This is why when you talk about the reality of college for teens with intellectual disabilities, that it's not just college. There is so much more to it. And mentoring is that key, that important piece that any program really should get a good handle on. Mm-hmm. Because if you have a good mentoring program, as we did, mm-hmm. the kids grow, you grow, everybody, everybody learns and everybody gets so many benefits from mm-hmm. the program. Mm-hmm. Beyond the obvious and the friendships, you know, 3 a.m. texts, (laughs) the friendships, you never know. But yeah, it's it's just such a wonderful, wonderful opportunity for kids to experience real life situations with real friendships. Yeah. And that's that's such an important value. Yeah. And we all like you mentioned earlier, we all rely on the same thing. We just don't call them mentors. You know, we, I mean, some of us mm-hmm. call them mentors, but it, you know, mm-hmm. we all need somebody to help us ease into a transition into another phase mm-hmm. of life or into a, another. Yeah. On yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes they become lifelong friendships. You know, I mean, I, they do. They really do. That's the bonus. Mm-hmm. Well, Christian, is there anything more that, that you wanted to add? Pepper in a mentor in any aspect of the campus experience. It was a good time. It was a, it was a great time. uh, It was wonderful. The students that you knew, I'm sure, will always, always remember and appreciate everything that you did because you were a huge part of their lives. You really were. You really were. Thank you. And they they were mine. And they were. And they were yours. Yes. Well, thank you so much for this. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I really, I knew I wanted to talk to you and I'm so grateful that you took some time out of your life because I know it's kind of crazy busy to give it to me for this podcast. No, I, so. I'm pumped that you're doing this and um, I'm going to continue to be an active listener. And if you ever need to fill a dead week, I'll come and ramble with you. Oh, I'm always up to that. <laughs> All right, Christian, you take care. Thank you. Have a good weekend. You too, Christian. Bye-bye. If you would like any additional information about disabilities in general, check out my website, mickeyteaches.com. That's M-I-C-K-I-E-teaches.com. I have a ton of resources there supporting all kinds of individuals with disabilities as they relate to college. And if you have any further questions, don't hesitate to drop me an email at mickeyteaches at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-K-I-E-teaches.com at gmail.com. Thank you for everything today, and I hope you found today's session worthwhile. I really, really appreciate 
everything that Christian has done on behalf of students with intellectual disabilities. Thank you for joining us today and have a great rest of the day. Bye now. Information contained throughout this podcast has been gleaned from my own personal experiences. But to ensure accuracy, please contact the Disability Services at the college of your choice to have first-hand information and the most up-to-date policies and procedures followed by your particular institution of higher education. The content in any of these podcasts is not intended as a substitute for information from legal, educational, or medical professionals. Always seek the advice of your attorney or qualified health care provider with any questions you may have with regards to legal, educational, or medical concerns.